God, we are thankful that you do hold us fast. Lord, if it was up to us, we know that we would slip, fall, and fade. And yet we're thankful that you are our keeper, that you are our help, and that you are our guide. Lord, teach us and encourage us from your word. Help us to lift our eyes up to you, to see and to know better today who our God is and why we love you so. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, since we'll be talking about journeys or pilgrimage, as you heard from Psalm 121 today, I want to talk for a minute about how our view of journeys can change. Now, before kids, I loved road trips. I would choose being in the car on an open road over a plane in the skies any day. We could listen to our favorite music, we could stop at our favorite restaurants, we could just see the best views and leisurely enjoy the trip. Well, road trips are a little different now with two young kids. It's no longer about enjoying the trip, it's about getting to the destination as quickly as possible with as few meltdowns as possible. And when I say meltdowns, I mean both for the kids and the adults. <laughs> Stops along the way usually involve bathroom breaks, picking food that will have minimal spill damage, and keeping the kids occupied to minimize complaining and crying. Again, kids and adults there. Whoever said, it's about the journey, not the destination, must not have taken kids on a long road trip. Well, each of us have different experiences on the road. And that's not just true of our travel, that's true of life and our spiritual road as well. Now, some of you might be further along in age, in maturity, or experience. Some of you might be in a smooth part, an enjoyable part of your pilgrimage, while others of you today might feel like you're knee-deep in a muddy bog. All of us have different places that we're at on the journey. All of us have different experiences as a pilgrim. And yet what unites us is that we are travelers. We are pilgrims. The Bible gives us this metaphor of a sojourner or a pilgrim as God's people, and it helps us understand our identity, both that we are on a path, but also that we need to keep pressing forward, that we are all headed somewhere. This language of pilgrim, it also reminds us that we are not yet home in this present world, and that we will never truly belong or be at rest here. Every believer is on a path toward the eternal kingdom with God, and yet what we see is that it can feel like there are endless distractions, dangers, and discouragements. We're tempted to give up, to take a shortcut, to turn back, or even to mistake the road itself for the home. And yet, the encouragement and the exhortation we get from God's word is that we must press on. We fix our eyes on Jesus and we follow him until we finish our journey. Eugene Peterson writes, everyone who travels the road of faith requires assistance from time to time. We need cheering up when our spirits flag. We need direction when the way is unclear. Maybe over the last couple of years, or maybe even this week, you've felt more like a sojourner and pilgrim than ever, and you just need some encouragement along the road. Well, I hope today that Psalm 121, it can provide a map in our hands and a song in our hearts by redirecting our eyes to God, who is our hope and our helper. As I said, we'll be in Psalm 121 today, and Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, it's part of a collection known as the Ascent Psalms. Now, these psalms were sung as Israelites made their way to Jerusalem and the temple during the three annual pilgrimages. 
During this time, this pilgrimage, it was a time of recalling God's faithfulness and then giving offerings at the, ta- at the temple, but also celebrating and encouraging one another as those on the journey. And what we know is that one of the things that they would always read and sing were these psalms, 120 to 134, the ascent psalms. And that's why they've come, they're called the Pilgrim Psalter or the Traveler's Songbook. In his book on these ascent psalms, a long obedience in the same direction, Eugene Peterson summarizes what it means by ascent. It says, These 15 psalms were likely sung, possibly in sequence, by Hebrew pilgrims as they went up to Jerusalem to the great worship festivals. Topographically, Jerusalem was the highest city in Palestine, and so all who traveled there spent much of their time ascending. But the ascent was not only literal, it was also a metaphor. The trip to Jerusalem acted out a life lived upward toward God, an existence that advanced from one level to another in developing maturity, what Paul described as the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. And so these songs are the songs of a pilgrim. All of them speak to the various human emotions we experience, and especially those as believers following God. So if these ascent psalms are called the Pilgrim Songbook, Psalm 121 might be the title track or the best summary of this collection as a whole because it speaks to the traveler's song. I think this psalm gives us assurance that we will make it, not because the journey is easy, but because it says God is our protector and keeper. We make it by fixing our eyes on Jesus and following him all the way until the end, till we meet him till we see him face to face and our pilgrimage finally ends. As we dive into Psalm 121, and I encourage you to have your Bible out, we'll just go verse by verse. I want you to step out of your seat right there mentally, not physically, please, but mentally go back to this time, probably about 3,000 years ago, the time of David in the land of Israel. Now, the open road here, and this is actually, I think, a picture from David. I found it on Google. It's crazy. But here, the open road, it's not a paved highway, it's a dusty trail. Now remember, as you go back and you think of yourself as a pilgrim here, you put yourself in the psalm, there's no cell phone, there's no GPS, no AAA, no stops along the way, no police out on patrol to watch out for you, no exit with hotels and fast food. And so while the pilgrim, they would certainly go from town to town or city to city, most of the time, they were there in the middle of nowhere on this long journey. They'd face potential danger from robbers and thieves, from sickness, from injuries, from starvation and dehydration. And so as we get into this psalm, I want you to go there mentally to that arid trail where you're on a long trek going toward Jerusalem with a long way to go. And that's where we are as we start this psalm. Verse 1, it says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? So in verse One, we see that as the psalmist, as this pilgrim is making this long trip, now in the distance they start to see these hills. And when the psalm says hills, it doesn't mean tiny hills like Flat Fork Creek Park or Indiana Hills as a whole. Hills actually means mountains. Israel was a place that had a lot of elevation. And so as he looks, he sees these large hills or mountains in the distance. Some of them were green and beautiful. Some of them were dry and rocky. Some hills are the actual places where cities were built. They were the destination. And some were kind of the dangerous hill you had to get over to go back on your way to arrive at your destination. 
But if, as you're thinking about these hills, what comes to mind is some beautiful, luscious green valley like Austria or Switzerland, you probably have the wrong hills in mind. So think less of the hills from the sound of music and more hills like this, which probably would never make it into a travel book. And so as we read this, as he's approaching these hills, we don't really know if the pilgrim sees these hills as a place to run to or a place to escape from. Kind of begs the question, is he approaching the hill with anxiety, knowing the hill could be a dangerous place, a strenuous climb, where he could be robbed, or where other challenges await? Or is he approaching the hill with anticipation, excited to finally break up the trip and see something in the distance? Or maybe it's even his destination. Maybe it's Jerusalem itself. Are the hills here a source of angst or anticipation or both? Either way, the pilgrim in this psalm, he acts as a spiritual guide for us. He teaches us how to make the journey of faith. So whether the hills are a source of anxiety or anticipation, verse 2 shows us how the pilgrim's mind immediately moves from the hills to the helper. Follow along in verses 1 and 2 again. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So if the hills here are a source of angst, of fear, of discouragement, his mind doesn't get stuck on the hill, meaning the obstacle or the trial, but his mind moves from the hill to the maker of the hills. He reminds himself that even if these hills are a threat, God is his helper. But if the psalmist is saying that these hills are the place where he's headed toward his destination, He trusts that God is the one who will sustain him, who will lead him, and who will guide him the entire way. I think if we take, though, the hills here to represent kind of the obstacles, the threats, and the dangers or fears in our life, the pilgrim moves from the sight that reveals our worries, our needs, our struggles, and he moves immediately to remembering that God is his helper, that God is the maker of heaven and earth. It's it's pretty much saying to himself, What is this little hill compared to the God who speaks mountains into existence? The God who speaks the stars into the sky. The God who puts the ocean in the palm of his hand. He's saying that God is not some tribal deity, as many people thought at the day, who lived on one mountain. Saying that the God is the maker of the whole heavens, the whole earth. There is no place where he is not God. Which means there is no hill we must climb, no hill we were on, where God is not sovereign over it. And because of this, a Christian pilgrim always has help on the road. We never get stranded. We're never in an area where we don't have a signal to reach God. The pilgrim finds his help by continually lifting his eyes up to the Lord. And so maybe this week, this is the verse that you need to memorize. Or maybe this phrase is what you just need to keep saying to yourself over and over. I lift my eyes to the hills, to the Lord. That's where my help comes from. So this week, when your eyes get stuck on circumstances, which create confusion and chaos, lift your eyes up to the Lord. When your eyes are fixed on an obstacle or an enemy, lift your eyes to the Lord. When your eyes are looking within and all you see is your failure, your guilt, your shame, or your weakness, it's because you're looking in the wrong place. Lift your eyes to the Lord. Maybe today as you think about that daunting mountain in front of you and you don't know how I'm going to get around it or over it, the encouragement here is to lift your eyes to the Lord 
where your help comes from. So the question you need to ask today is, where are my eyes? Where am I looking for help, for security, for answers? What am I trusting in? Psalmist tells us, lift up your eyes to the Lord. Why? Because he is the maker of heaven and earth, and because he is your helper. I think this is not only something that we need to rehearse individually, but I think this is part of how we walk together as pilgrims on the road. This week, as you interact with coworkers and neighbors and friends or family, part of what you can do is remind one another of who God is, of how he is our helper and how his promises are true. What we do is we lift one another's eyes up to God, and that's how we make the journey together. So again, ask who in your life this week needs some encouragement to lift their eyes to the Lord. You can lift your own eyes to the Lord, but you can also point one another to God and help each other live this out. Well, in verse 3, our text now transitions. It moves either to an inner dialogue where he starts talking to himself as the pilgrim, or actually it makes it sound like there's another pilgrim with him speaking truths back to himself. So in verse 1 and 2, we're told God is your helper, but then in verses 3 to 8, we're told specific ways that happens. We're told that whether it's a rocky path, the sun's heat, the fears and foes that come out at night, or evil enemies, God will continue to guard and to keep us. The first trial we see here that a pilgrim might encounter is that their foot could slip. You see this in verse 3. The psalmist, again, he's not riding with paved roads and wide highways in mind. He's riding in the context of a pilgrim who had to walk through rocky, narrow paths. They traveled up and through these mountains where one step might lead them to fall, to get injured, or to get stranded. Here's an example of what those roads could look like. Here's just one of the roads from Jericho to Jerusalem. Doesn't look like the safest path to me. Well, if you've done much hiking, you probably have encountered along the way trails that are slippery or steep. You might have walked along rocks where it feels like it could crumble. Well, each year in our national parks alone, so it's about 60 parks, There are an average of 300 deaths in those parks each year. Some are from drowning, some are from heat, some are from taking selfies where they shouldn't be taking selfies, but about 30 people per year fall to their death in our national parks. And then there are hundreds of serious injuries and search and rescue missions. So even with all our modern gear, our technology, our park rangers, our hiking boots, Yelp reviews telling you where not to go. Hiking is still a dangerous experience. So just imagine again, you're here, Psalm 121. You're a pilgrim doing this 3,000 years ago without any of our modern amenities. The chances of injury are high. There's a lot of danger going on. So what this pilgrim is saying to us, kind of as a metaphor, is that we are not promised a smooth path. That often the journey, the road in front of us, it will be dangerous and scary. It might feel like you could slip and you could stumble at any moment. And yet what we're told here is that though the path is scary, and though you feel like you're about to stumble, we're told that God is guarding us and keeping us. He's helping us navigate the terrain like an expert trailsman who walks with us and in front of us. Verse 3 says, he will not let your foot be moved or slip or stumble. He who keeps you will not slumber. My daughter Lily and I, she's four and a half. Um, She really emphasizes the half these days. Uh, But we occasionally go on hikes. We love to explore. 
And I try not to be reckless, but I still take her on hikes where there is some, there's a little bit of slipperiness and also some steep walks. But I don't just leave her to herself. I walk in front of her. I hold her hand and make sure that she takes the right steps and she makes it where we're trying to go. But other times, if there's real danger, I'll reach down, I grab her, I pick her up, and I carry her in my own arms to make sure she's safe. If it were left up to Lily, her foot would slip, but it's not left up to her. Her dad is with her, and her dad is going to make sure she is safe and makes it where I want her to go. And I think that's the image we have here in Psalm 121 of God as our Father who carries us, who walks with us, and will make sure that our feet never slip or stumble. The word here that's central is the word keep. You might notice if you scan verses 3 to 8 that the word keep shows up six times. And that word simply means to guard, to watch over something, or to protect something. And so here the pilgrim, they can have confidence that they will make it through the journey, that they will arrive at their destination, not because they're a great hiker, not because they trust themselves, but because they trust that the Lord is their keeper. He puts his hope in his helper. Notice in verse 4, it says that God is Israel's guard. And then in verse 5, it makes it even more personal. It says he is your guard. Like how important figures, they might have their own bodyguard, their own security guard. This section is describing God as our bodyguard. It's telling us that, can you imagine, as a pilgrim, as you walk through this long, dangerous journey, the kind of confidence it would give you if you think of God as your security guard, the one who is with you and protecting you. Now, every human bodyguard is limited in where they can be. They can only be in one place. What they know will take place, they don't know the future, and their power to stop an attack. But because God is not limited in any of these ways, he is the guardian who can be with us at all times, He can be with us at all places. He can stop any attack that we face. The text then adds that why he is such a good guardian or keeper is because he never falls asleep. God is never distracted. God never checks out. He's never off the clock. He's never dozing off, wondering what your life is like. We're told that God is fully present to all things every moment, every day of your life. He is watching over you. And so the reason that your foot won't slip is because God never sleeps. Let's continue in verses 5 and 6 and see God's protection of us, not just uh, where our feet are, but as we face adverse circumstances. Verse 5 says, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. And so again, you have to mentally envision yourself as a pilgrim here in the ancient Near East. And the journey was long, but also remember that this is a hot, arid region. There would have been few stops along the way to get the shade, the rest, and the relief that they're looking for. And so I think here that the sun's heat, it's a good image for what trials in life can feel like. That trials can just sap the life right out of you. That trials can make you want to turn back, to give up, to be discouraged, or just want a moment of relief. Some see the references here where it talks about the moon or nighttime, that it could refer to dangers at night, such as robbery or murder, or even that it refers to the fear, the anxiety, the unseen threats, and even the mental torment that seems to come at night. 
And so he's saying, the trials by day might feel like they will wear you out, but the trials by night feel like they can overwhelm you. And yet through all of that, what we're told is that God is our keeper. We're told that God is our shade, that he protects us from both sun and moon, day and night. Now, shade obviously conveys the idea that God is giving us rest, that God is even a refuge we hide in, and that God gives us the refreshment that we're seeking. That relief isn't found just by waiting to get past these hard circumstances, wishing for an easier path, or even going back, but that the relief and the refreshment your heart desires is found when you draw near to God and when you find him to be your shade and your protection. As we move to verses 7 and 8, we now see that he talks a little bit more generally about how God protects us as evil opposes us. Verse 7 says, The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So it's almost like the pilgrim, he now zooms out and he just says, Generally, God will protect you from any enemy any evil, anything you face, he will keep your whole life. Derek Kidner writes, the promise moves on from the pilgrim's immediate preoccupations, rocky ground, um, scary mountains, to cover the whole of existence. In the light of other scriptures, to be kept from all evil does not imply a cushioned life, but a well-armed life. Now, throughout this psalm, and you may have noticed this, but the writer will often mention two different things, kind of contrasts that kind of summarize God's comprehensive protection of everything in between. Notice four times he does this. Verse 2, he says, God is the maker of heaven and earth. So it's kind of like any space here or anywhere else, God is the maker. It says that in verse 6, the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon at night. Verse 8, the Lord will keep you when you go out in the morning And when you come back, the end of the day. And then verse 8 again, the Lord will keep you from this time forth, so now, and forevermore. What he's trying to say is the entire journey is watched over by God, the one who keeps us from evil. So whether you're coming or going, whether you're at the beginning of your journey or close to the end, whether it's day or night, whether it's today or tomorrow, God will be and is your protector and your guardian. So I think what Psalm 121 is telling us is that there is no circumstance, no challenge, no obstacle too dangerous or too daunting for the Christian pilgrim if God is our helper and keeper. So the call here to the pilgrim is to not give up but to press on. And it tells us the way we do this is by lifting our eyes to the Lord. Before we close, I want to give three ways I think we can apply this. The first is just to know that you are and will be kept by God forever. As you hear this, you might be saying, that sounds a little too good to be true. How does this work if Christians are persecuted? If Christians get sick and die? If Christians walk through any number of trials, how is God keeping us? We know the Bible doesn't suggest that we won't endure suffering. Every person we see in the Bible endures suffering, including God's perfect son, Jesus. But here are a couple of things I think we can take from the psalm for what it does mean that God is guarding us, keeping us, and protecting us. First, it means that nothing happens to us that God does not allow. Through the rocky ledges, the sun's heat, the fears at night, or the evil enemies who stand against God's people, 
None of them can wound or strike us apart from God allowing us to go through that for a greater purpose. God protects us by only allowing things into our life that he knows, that he walks with through, that he walks with us through, and that are going to be for our ultimate good, even when it's hard and when it's painful. You might think of Psalm 23, the famous psalm, and what Psalm 23 tells us is that the good shepherd, he doesn't shelter his sheep from the valley of darkness, but he does walk with them and he makes sure they make it to the other side. So God keeps us by walking with us through every trial. But second, I think this idea of God keeping us, it ultimately is a reminder that our eternal salvation, our destiny, is secure in God's hands. Because we live in a fallen world, death will come to every single one of us. Because the world is broken, each of us can expect to suffer. And yet, what this is saying is that the promise to the believer in Jesus Christ is that this path, this pilgrimage, this suffering is not our ultimate destiny, nor is it the final word. Christ has a kingdom awaiting us, and he will make sure that we make it there. Now, this reminds me of what Jesus tells us about him being the good shepherd. In John 10, Jesus talks about thieves, robbers, and wolves that all are looking to devour and kill the sheep. And yet Jesus says, he is no hired hand that will run and leave us, that he will not forsake us. He said he will not let the sheep be scattered or eaten alive. Instead, John 10 says, he as the shepherd, he will lay down his own life to protect the life of the sheep. And so we know that Jesus' cross is the atonement where he gives his life to protect and to keep our life. That Jesus pays for our sin. And not just some of our sin, but all of our sin, every stain of sin, past, present, and future. And so when we believe in Jesus Christ, when we are part of his sheep, we are kept safe forever because the only thing that could damn and destroy us is our sin and condemnation. But Jesus has dealt with that. Jesus has eliminated that. I think it's for that reason that a few verses later in John 10, Jesus then says these words. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. What we see then is that we are safe in his hands because we are near to his heart. That we are kept because we are covered by Christ's blood, and we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. That Jesus not only dies for his sheep, but Jesus is saying, I will keep my sheep forever. We sang these words earlier. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight, he will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. Believer, know today that he will hold you fast, that you are not alone in whatever trial you're going through, that God is with you, that he will stay with you through the night, that he will keep you today and forever. Second thing we see is that when adversity comes, it can lead to lifting our eyes to God, which is how we actually know him more intimately. 
What Psalm 121 teaches us is that the proper reaction of a pilgrim when we face adversity, trials, and fears, it's not to run from those things necessarily, but to run to God. The psalmist says it's the sun's heat that pushes him to find God as shade, that it's the rocky ground that forces him to hold on to God's hand, that the hills The obstacles actually point his eyes beyond those things to the Lord who is the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I know in the midst of stress, in the midst of suffering, it's so easy to get our eyes stuck on all that we're going through, stuck on the problems, the challenges, and the trials. But these end up being the very things that reveal God's kindness and God's power in our lives. Last semester, we did a Wednesday night class on experiencing God's fatherly love. And every week, I had a couple people share a testimony of how they experienced God's love, gave them very little format or what to talk about. And what's interesting is that looking back, every person shared some story of a trial, that none of them would have chosen the trial, none of them wanted to walk through it, and yet it's that God used trials to reveal himself to them in a unique and intimate way. And so when trials come, part of how we endure and part of how we grow as faithful pilgrims is to not draw near to God through them, to seek God, especially in those moments, and to lift our eyes up to the Lord. It says that when we're far from God, we are exposed to the heat and the elements. When we're far from God, we're likely to shrivel up and to die. But it says when we draw near to God, we find him to be our shade, our protector, and our rest. So my encouragement this week, this morning, is to not get stuck staring at the hills and the trials in front of you, but to lift your eyes to the God who is sovereign over every one of those trials, that he has this in your life for one reason, so that you would know him and so you would see his hand in a clear and a powerful way. Well, the final thing we see is that even when the pilgrimage is difficult, press on in faith until the end. I think there are increasing reasons um, for pilgrims to give up, to shrink back, to look for shortcuts, or just want to turn around and go back. It can feel like every step of the journey meets resistance, that every step is a hard step. You might feel utterly exhausted even today. You might wonder, how am I ever going to make it? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through life? But the encouragement is to not give up to press on, and to take it one step, one day at a time. God doesn't promise to give you grace for the entire journey. God tells us he'll give us grace one day, one step at a time. So friends, if you are in Jesus Christ, do not give up when the journey is hard. It won't be long until all will be made right. It won't be long until we will all be home. It won't be long until the journey of faith can be exchanged for this gift of sight where we see Jesus finally, and we live with him forever. But keep your gaze then not on the here and now, not on the stuff of this earth. Keep your gaze on the then and forever. Press on, persevere in the path, knowing that we will arrive safely because God is our helper along the way. He will hold us fast as we lift our eyes to the Lord. Let's pray to him. God, when I read a psalm like this, I'm just so thankful, thankful that you are present. God, thankful that there is nothing we walk through that you do not know. God, where we are today in life might be stressing us out. It might feel overwhelming. It might feel burdensome. 
And yet, God, you promise that you are with us even today, that you are our helper, that you will keep us, and that you are guarding us. So God, even now as we sing this, would you help us lift the eyes of our heart onto you? We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.